getting into a technicolor life, becoming that legendary leader, comes back to putting yourself in those uncomfortable situations and recognizing that you don't need to fix it, that you can just experience it. And whilst it's uncomfortable, it's not fatal and you will survive. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter. And today, Joe is interviewing Lorraine Hamilton. Lorraine was introduced to us by Nat Cutler-Welsh from show number 202. Lorraine is a Scot based in New Zealand, mother of teenage daughters, author of three books, including her latest entitled Dye Your Hair Purple Sooner, former radio frequency engineer and lover of tea, cake and firefly. She is also a certified professional coach with 15 years experience and an energetic and fun speaker. Lorraine is the creator of the DANCE framework for transformation and the SWITCH coaching method for coaching conversations, known as the Coach's Coach. Known as the Coach's Coach, she now runs a successful business offering training and coaching from our home to clients across the globe. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Lorraine Hamilton, founder of Coach School and now the Coach's Coach. Welcome Lorraine, great to have you with me. Thank you for having me, I'm excited to be here. Lovely, so start by telling us who you are, what you do and crucially where you do it. So I am Lorraine Hamilton. I support uh, life coaches in making a living from making a difference. And I do it from my home office on the Kapiti Coast, on the west coast of the North Island of New Zealand. I bet people are expecting you to say something like the Outer Hebrides or something. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a little bit of a it's it's a little bit of a diversion, a red herring for you. So yeah, so I've been in New Zealand for the last twelve years, and originally from from Glasgow in Scotland. So yeah, a little bit of a world traveller. Love it. Yes, lovely. So the next question I mostly ask my guests is, how did it all come about? Especially when a lot of the people I talk to are. Um, you know, coaches or people who are working in digital or social media or or sort of industries that didn't really exist when we were starting out back in the day. And I, I guess similar for you, you know, being a coach wasn't really a thing, was it, when we were thinking of a career? <laughs> no, you know, no. Well, my, my former career was engineering. So I used to design mobile phone networks for a living. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I, as you do, um, and and that's what led me into into coaching because you know it's a, it's a familiar story. I had an amazingly brilliant technical manager mm-hmm. who had no idea what to do with a female engineer in a people sense. <laughs> 
and and it was it, it was difficult it was really difficult for me it was really difficult for him and it took me a long time in fact it was very damaging for me i ended up getting quite unwell over the whole thing and i'm sure he wasn't having the best time either yeah. um but it took me a long time to really recognize that it wasn't his fault he had been put in a place where he wasn't equipped to do the job and so he was as hamstrung and as handicapped as I was by having somebody in that space so that that made me really interested in communication and getting the best out of people hmm. and that led me into coaching but yeah it was 15 years ago now and coaching wasn't really a thing hmm. and so many coaches um have a story I think where they had an issue or something didn't work or whatever as you just sort of started to say and you know I had a similar um story around um my health and people health of people around me which led me into the power to live more part of my business now I think you know many coaches have a sort of real life story that has prompted that so I guess that's what happened with you how did how did you take the story the thing that happened to you and the realizations that you have that you had sorry into helping other people i think it was it was a deep desire to help people not end up in the in the depths that i actually got to yeah. um so i ended up becoming really very depressed and anxious because the working environment was not an environment that allowed me to be my best so like a lot of women that I work with um, in particular, they have been brought up to believe that if they work hard and if they treat people well, that they will do well. And I was put in this environment where it didn't matter what I did. I felt like I was never going to be good enough. I was never going to be one of the boys. And I'd never had that in my career up until that point. And I'd gone through university and obviously taking an engineering route through university, it wasn't like it was, it's, it, the, I was one of three girls the whole way through. And it wasn't the same three girls, you know, some would drop out and then someone, someone else would join in. Mm -hmm. So I was used to being in that environment and I thought I knew how to operate in that environment. And then when what you believe to be true that you know if i work hard then i'll succeed and if i'm kind then people will be kind when that when that didn't play out it really rocked the foundation of the model i had of the world and the way that i moved through the world mm -hmm. so it was it was really quite damaging mm -hmm. and and that's really what i wanted to bring into the coaching world so that people could understand themselves understand the environment that they were in realized that they had the power to change the way that they looked at it and build resilience and also be brave enough to make the choices that they want to make to create the life that they want yes yeah and so practically how did that then happen i mean they have coaching courses and everything else now is that what happened or did you make it up as you went along <laughs> No, no, I, you know, because I'm a good girl, I had to go and um, do it right or not at all. So I did, um, I did do my first certification in 2006. And then I did another one in 2007. And then sort of lifelong learning, I've just been developing and, and picking up more and more modalities and tools all the way through. So mm -hmm. yeah, very much 
a, a certified trained coach that keeps on adding more modalities and, and that has allowed me to then get to where I am now where I run um, ICF accredited certification training for other coaches. Mm-hmm. And before we came on we were talking about the um, sort of name that the coach's coach and you said it was a relatively sort of um, new transition for you. Um, tell us a bit more about, about that. We were talking about the sort of concept of sort of niching, I suppose, and how difficult that can be um, in business. Oh, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I totally get it intellectually and I still have <laughs> resistance to it. But the, the, the coaches coach thing, I've really resisted that title for a long time. So I've been doing coaching for 15 years this year. And from that first year, other coaches were asking me to help them. They were asking me to coach them. They were asking me to mentor them. They would just see that I was, you know, a couple of steps ahead and I didn't really feel qualified to do that, but they were, I wanted to help them out. And that's been true all the way through, but I just have resisted actually stepping into that identity, even though it's been what I've been doing, because it just felt like, oh, it's, it's me coaching the coach and then the coaches coach the coaches and then we just create this little sub industry and nobody's actually making any money but it's not true it's just not true the ripple effect of helping another coach reach their clients means that that impact is being spread further and wider and over those 15 years having worked with as many coaches as I have and having had countless conversations with coaches about not feeling good enough, about not feeling like they can charge for what they do, about going back into their industry and giving up on coaching, that's what drives me to step into this identity now because Mm -hmm. Coaching is such a powerful modality. It does change people's lives and you can make a living from making a difference. Yeah, yeah. And what about the the people that you've worked with and that you that your sort of client students have worked with over the years? It, it feels like there's a lot more sort of open discussion nowadays about the concepts of life coaching, about things like sort of mental health and about self-development and all that sort of stuff it you know a good few years ago it was seen as being a bit sort of new age or a bit woo woo or whatever Um, whereas it really feels like it's become much more sort of mainstream if you like have you seen that have you seen different attitudes to what you do over the time yeah there's a couple of different pieces to that I'll take the 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 coach's approach and then also the the approach to coaching in general and um, in terms of the what I see with my students is that they'll come to me and say, I don't want to be a life coach. It's like, I, I want to do the job, but I don't want to call myself a life coach because yeah. there's still this stigma attached to the name. Yes. And, and what happens is that they call themselves all manner of things, whatever it is under the sun. In fact, what's quite common is, and you alluded to it at the beginning of the interview, Joe, when you said that... Um, often what brings coaches to the industry is an experience that they've had. And what I see is that coaches initially jump into that niche. They go, that's the, I'm going to be that kind of coach, which is great. However, 
at some point it goes from being something that is healing for, for them to something that is keeping them in a part of their life that they've moved on from. Yes, interesting, yeah. So that's something that I see. And then they reevaluate and pivot into something else. They're like, oh yeah, well, I'm 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 done with that now. I want to I want to work with people in another space. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that piece. But also what I see is that they kind of go full circle. So I see my students and they go, I don't want to be a life coach, but I want to work with people. And then they work with people and they do the job and then they come to a realization further down the line that no, they're a life coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the culmination of all is it's about life. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, and, and every, all the work that they do, it's not really about business. It's not really about health. It's, not, it's about it all. So they yeah. end up having to do it all anyway. So, so I, I see that quite often. Uh-huh. Um, and then in terms of the, the rest of the world embracing coaching, yes. that is is happening. Um, I think people are still seeking out something a little bit more specific. So I think you can be a life coach, but still benefit from identifying and positioning yourself with the problem that you are solving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's definitely a benefit in that in terms of um, positioning rather than necessarily putting yourself in, in a box of a niche, you know, allow yourself to do your whole job, but position yourself at yeah. that that yeah. problem that you solve for your 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 dream client. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's definitely an uptake, a greater uptake for people who are seeking external help because we don't live the way that we used to live. So we don't live with our extended families anymore. And a lot of people I think are feeling quite isolated and also feeling the responsibility that they need to solve problems for themselves. So they're looking for that external help. We don't have that, you know, wise uncle anymore that knows everything about everything and gives the best advice and you don't quite know how how he managed to get into your head and knew what you were thinking and, you know, the penny dropped. That is the role that coaches are now playing, I think. Hmm, interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, interesting. As you say that that we've had mentors perhaps in the past naturally without seeing them as that, and they're no longer there, sort of thing in the same way. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, and I think you know the, that sense of community, the community elders. If you were involved in in the church or organised religion, then there was very much mentors and elders in that. So we had all of these. Um, these people that we could go to that were, were trusted advisors and as as the world has developed a lot of people have moved out of that community so they but they still are looking for guidance yes yeah maybe that's some of the sort of openness to coaching for sort of small business owners and and entrepreneurs solopreneurs because in a corporate situation sometimes and often you end up with that mentor because of the nature of the corporate structure uh, and people thinking about sort of developing people and all that sort of stuff but if you're on your own in a business situation i guess there's more of a tendency to go and find that person because you wouldn't naturally have that because you don't have anyone that you work with other than that sort of thing yeah i think there's there's also like elements from that as well that in a corporate situation that the idea of mentoring and coaching was very much around performance it was you know getting the the best out of your people for the business whereas i see small business owners and particularly 
um, solopreneurs, so like coaches, because that's who I end up working with um, the most, they have a, a keen sense that looking after their mindset, it, it really relates to their bot bottom line. So they know that they can see a return on investment on investing in the health of themselves and their mindset. Mm. as well as looking after the business side of it. So I, I do see small business owners really embracing this idea of having someone on their team that is going to challenge them and make them a better overall person, leader, business owner, um, parent, partner, the whole gamut. They can really connect that to their bottom line. Mm. So you have written some books and your most recent one <laughs> is i think um is the one well not the one the other titles might be good too but i love the title the dye your hair purple sooner <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, funny that title came from another podcast interview that i gave about a year ago um where we had been talking to about my hair so you can't see me but uh, my hair is lots of different colors. It's, it's generally purple, blue, and pink. And so people always ask me about my hair and that and that's fine. And so in this podcast, we, we had been having a conversation and the podcast host had said, had been asking me about my hair. And, um, and people hire me because of my hair. So I'll get on a call with a student or a, a new client and say, okay, so what was it that interested you in working with me? And they'll say, oh, your hair. And I'm like, really? Do you know, I've, I've written books. I've got a body of work. I've been doing this for a long time. Are you serious? It's my hair. Um, but of course, it isn't the hair. It's what the hair represents to them. It's the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm living life on my terms. Like, you know, yes, I want to have my hair crazy colors. I'm not suggesting that everybody um, demonstrates their authentic life that way. Um, but that's what it says to these people. They're like, oh man, I wish I had the guts to whatever it is that they want to do. So, mm -hmm. so dye your hair purple sooner was really um, in response to the question that that podcast host asked me and said, oh, what's the advice that you would give your former self? And I was like, well, dye your hair purple sooner, step into that version of me so much sooner so that I have so much more time to enjoy it. Yeah. So that's where the title of the book came from. And it is all about really getting to, to grips with how to do what you need to do in order to have that what I call technicolor life, when you've tuned your life so perfectly, it's like going from black and white to glorious technicolor. Yes, yeah. And it's, it's great that it's purple because there's a thing, isn't there? My mother-in-law and I um, talk about it all the time and I can never, I'm rubbish. Listeners to this podcast will remember that I am rubbish at remembering quotes. I'm rubbish at remembering references, book titles, the lot. I can remember the contents, <laughs> but not the actual detail. But there's something about wearing purple, isn't there? There's a poem or something about wearing purple when you get older and not caring. And I can't remember who wrote it or what it is, but it's the same sort of principle of, of saying, not, not saying, I think this poem is about saying sod it, blah, 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 blah. But that, that's not quite what you're saying. But it is that whole thing about, as you say, getting growing into your own confident self and, and being who you are and doing it, you know, at an appropriate time. But in this case, you had to be quite old. <laughs> well, I think in essence, it is saying sod it. It is yeah. saying, you know, let's let's unpack all of the conditioning and the expectations of other people. And what is it that I actually want? 
Yes, yes, yeah. So the subtitle of the book is Five Steps to Becoming the Legendary Leader of Your Technicolor Life. Tell us what this yes. Technicolor Life is. What What do you mean by that? It's a bit wordy, isn't it? Um, so I, I, um, I alluded to, to earlier, I used to design mobile phone networks for a living. And so I spent a lot of time playing in the, the radio spectrum. So the best way that I can describe a Technicolor Life is, is that it's that part of the it's like tuning a radio and if you can remember back in the olden days where we actually used to turn a knob to tune the radio sometimes um you would get that static that noise if you didn't tune it quite right mm -hmm. or and i don't know if this ever happened to you but sometimes you get two radio stations at once did that ever happen yes yeah in, well over here we quite have to get france if it rains oh. <laughs> There you go, right? I could tell you why that is, but that's a different podcast. Um, so I think a lot of people spend their lives not quite tuned into what they want. They're getting that static or they're, they're living two different or maybe even more um, channels. So living a Technicolor life is about having your life tuned perfectly for you. And it's it the legendary leader part is about resilience. It's about putting yourself into those uncomfortable positions that result in you coming out the other side and going, yeah, actually I did that for me. It, yes, it was uncomfortable, but do you know what? I survived mm -hmm. and I can if I can do it once, I can do it again. Yes. Yeah. 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 So how do people do that then? <laughs> And um, put yourself in uncomfortable positions as often as you can practice. Um, it, 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 I mean, it really does come down to that for me that we are, I, I mean, I, I'm not in, entirely sure who your, the makeup of your audience is, but I find this particularly in my audience with the women um, that we are brought up but not just women, I th I, you know, men are brought up to not ever be scared, um, but we're, we're brought up to, to not feel fear, to not be sad, to not be angry, to not feel these emotions from a very early age. And it comes from a very pure place. It comes from you know, people who understand how uncomfortable those feelings are. And they don't want that for us because they love us. Right? So yeah. they don't want us to feel that, that discomfort. But by hearing that narrative of don't be sad, don't be angry, don't be scared. It doesn't take long for us to develop this subconscious belief that it's not safe to feel angry, sad or scared or any of these other so-called negative emotions. Mm -hmm. And then that develops into behaviors that cause us to avoid putting ourselves in positions where we might feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So thinking about if we think about a, a, a so-called like, like over here, I'm doing air quotes. You can't see it, but I'm doing air quotes. If we think of a positive emotion like happiness, we don't really question it. So something happens. We start to feel happy. That feeling builds. We don't go, oh, God, I'm feeling happy. I must stop that. We just let the feeling ride out. Right. So it, it builds and then it dissipates and then we come back to normal again. Yeah. But when we have one of those so-called negative emotions, so again, something has to happen to trigger us to start feeling it. Then it starts to build. We notice it and go, oh, I'm not supposed to feel that. Oh, mm -hmm. there's something here that's wrong and I need to fix it. And we avoid it. Yeah. 
And what we're robbing ourselves of is that same curve that yes, the feeling will build, but it will also level off and it will dissipate and you will survive the curve. It's not fatal. But when we we get into a pattern of avoiding putting ourselves into uncomfortable situations, then it's it robs us from building that resilience. Mm -hmm. So getting into a technicolor life, becoming that legendary leader comes back to putting yourself in those uncomfortable situations and recognizing that you don't need to fix it, that you can just experience it. And whilst it's uncomfortable, it's not fatal and you will survive. And if you can do it once, you can do it again and again and again. And that's the difference between people who are stuck living in the shades of grey and living who people who are fully living their life in glorious Technicolor. Yes, yes. I really like that. Thank you. So what does that then mean in terms of how you work with people so you you probably you sort of working on a couple of levels aren't you because you're working with coaches about their coaching but you're also coaching people about their life i guess (laughs) yeah what does that look like what what do your days look like how do you articulate what you do given what you've just told me (laughs) so in terms of right so I, i train coaches i have a number of courses and resources that train coaches from a very entry level right up to professional level Um, and so a lot of that is just done um, through online the the online ways have been online for a very Mm. long time so Mm. when the pandemic happened and everyone was like oh my goodness what is this zoom thing I'm like yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) I'll just sit back while everyone goes can you hear me can you hear me (laughs) just sit back for a bit um yeah so i've been online for a very long time and i've been working with people um extensively internationally for well over a decade through courses and 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 doing one-to-one via zoom which people are very uh, comfortable with now and the work that i do in terms of my actual coaching is my process to getting to a technicolor life so i have a my five step process which um, if you're a coach you'll be familiar with the the term dancing in the moment with your client that's what we're supposed to do as coaches you see good coaches dance in the moment with their clients so my acronym is dance mm-hmm. and um and so we there's a lot of discovery work so there's a lot of peeling back and discovering what it is that my clients really want so that visioning piece then aligning that with who they are and their core values like their core values not the ones that they think they should have so really understanding that then navigating a plan to be able to achieving it communicating that to themselves as much as to the outside world so a lot of inner critic work imposter syndrome and then empowering them to do it for themselves and making myself redundant as quickly as possible so discovery alignment navigating communicating and empowering is my process for coaching and then obviously teaching the skills of that to my students and mentees so that they can go and do it for other people Mm -hmm. and how does that sort of uh, manifest in sort of practical terms uh, in sort of do you have sort of weekly sessions monthly sessions sessions when people have issues how how does how do you take them through those those steps 
What a great question. Um, yeah, so I like to work with people for a minimum of six months. Three months would be my absolute minimum if they've done coaching before, because it takes a bit of time to go through that process. Yeah. And in all the years that I have been coaching, I've played with different frequencies mm. um, of sessions. And the one that I always come back to is fortnightly. Yeah. So weekly just doesn't seem to be long enough for my clients to um, be able to reflect on the depth of the work that we do. Mm -hmm. And in a monthly frequency, they just lose momentum. So yeah. I always come back to this fortnightly. And sometimes, you know, I, I had a client yesterday who's having a tough time right now. And I said, look, I actually want to see you next week. Yeah. Um, so it's it's always what's in best service to the client. Um, but fortnightly seems to be the sweet spot for the work that I do. And the other thing that, that your listeners might be quite interested in is that that allows me to have a week of client facing and then a week of not client facing. So that's when I get all the other stuff done. That's interesting. I was going to ask you how that then sort of panned out because it sounded like it could mean that you feel like you're coaching all the time <laughs> because of, of that. Um, and actually, uh, that's something I've, I did this last year. I ended up picking up some coaching work just at the beginning of, of lockdown, which was really helpful because I lost some sort of corporate stuff that I was doing. And um, and to begin with, I was frenetic because I just seemed to be coaching. Every time I turn around, I've got another student sort of thing. And I mm. actually rolled it all into three days in the end and um, and got quite clear about times of the day and everything else so that as you've just sort of said the rest of the time I could do my other stuff because <laughs> otherwise mm. you fine, do you <laughs> well that's and I started off doing exactly what you did so I was like oh I need some space mm. to you know because books don't write themselves in between coaching sessions no. or my books don't anyway um so I started off doing Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and having Friday and Monday as days yeah. to catch up on things or create things because I love creating stuff um, and then I started to get client creep, you know, oh, I can't do that. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll make space. And and so I ended up back where I was. So that was um, last year, I was like, no, I'm moving to this model of a whole week of client facing and a whole week of non-client facing so that I can do projects that I want to do or I can take time off if I want to take time off. Mm -hmm. And so it's, and that's really, I think, why the book came about so quickly because I started it like last May or something and and it came out and it was finished by October yeah so it, it does give you that nice space to be able to to do creative things and do the work that is going to scale your coaching business rather than just getting stuck in that hamster wheel of yeah I'm successful I've got all these clients but now what yes yes yeah Oh, I hadn't even thought about one a week on a week off. <laughs> it's appealing now, isn't it? I know. I've got this all this. I've just I've just created some um, get it done sessions for my members, and I was umming and ahhing. Should I do it weekly or you know by you know fortnightly, or should I do them just once a month? Because otherwise, it will fill the diary up. And and then I sort of convinced myself that actually I'm rocking up and spending two hours working on a project the same as everyone else is. I just happen to be the supporting them whilst they do it. So. It's just, you know, carving out two hours in my day to or in my week to actually focus on something myself as well. So I thought, that's OK, I can put that in my diary. But of course, now my diary is full. 
of yes. various things. And I'm now thinking, you know, was that such a good idea? But now immediately you've said what you just said. I've just been thinking, oh, yeah, I could do that. And then I'd have a, yeah. so ask me again in a year mm-hmm. <laughs> if I've made any changes. <laughs> Excellent. It's, it really makes a difference. And a lot of my colleagues are sort of moving to a similar model. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah we're, we're trailblazing. Yes, yeah. And I think, you know, that's a really good example of the, the stuff I talk around about, you know, I, I have a five step um, process and, and it's about the first, um, well, first one, self care, then it's about simplifying. And that's about working out what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And part of that is aligning your activity with, you know, what you've determined you want to do and what you don't want to do, you know, sounds really simple. But as you know, many of us don't do it. <laughs> or, or we, we want to do it, but we do sort of what I've just described, which is, we we tell ourselves a story about what we think should happen and that's what happens when actually there's a whole different story that we haven't yet found or thought about <laughs> or been yeah and then before. you kind of move into you know, I'm now spending more time with my team um which is which is great but again it's another shift it's sort of finding that time and and finding time in my calendar to meet with my team well that's not time that I'm getting paid for yeah. but but then, yeah, so I, I love, I love just the evolution of, mm. of business and, mm. and that's the beauty of what we do, right? We get to change things and try new things. We don't have to get it right first time. No, no, exactly. Hmm. I'm mindful we've got um, limited time and I want to throw a few more things at you. <laughs> okay. So, um, do you have any tools or apps that you'd like to share that you love and couldn't live without? Um, there are a couple that I really love. I was thinking about this. So Zoom, my business would look, I mean, there are workarounds, there are other tools, but Zoom is just kind of one of my go-to tools for sure. Um, my CRM, I use a coach-specific CRM, which I really enjoy. It's not necessarily for everybody but it's called coach accountable and i love it it really adds a new dimension to my coaching with clients so that's one that i'm really enjoying and the other thing is that my va and business manager loves it as well so that makes all the difference because i don't have to listen to her grumbling about um um the, some of the previous tools that we've had she really loves it and that's important to me yes yeah yeah brilliant and what about and then my cor- my course platform yeah yeah. Oh, what do you use for that? Um, so it's quite complicated. I use a, um, a WordPress website with an Access Ally and Active Campaign um, connection. So again, yeah. it's it's a little bit more advanced, and I've had other platforms in the past, but this is where I've landed on now, and it gives me a lot of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about um, learning and improving yourself? You obviously did some quite structured training in the early days and obviously you're teaching people yourself all the time so I feel sure there's things you're you're doing for your own development what are they I I am yeah so I'm always upskilling and always learning and I'm actually at the moment going through some training that I did in 2007 I'm redoing just to make sure that I haven't picked up any bad habits because when you're also a teacher and a mentor it's important to me that I am being held to account. Mm-hmm. So doing things like supervision and having um, my mentor like review my coaching sessions and give me feedback on how to be a better coach. Those things are really important to me, even though they're quite scary sometimes, you know, we don't want to get the 
you know, marked or, or, you know, the assessment, but it is really important and it is where I grow professionally the fastest. But also, having done a lot of training in my skill set and done a lot of business training, I'm always doing more business training, I'm actually now focusing on what are the personal things that I want to do? What are the real personal challenges that I want to take up? And so that's been a focus for me for the last few years is really, okay, where are those things that I want to do? So I've just actually started learning to sing, which is hugely scary, hugely yeah. scary. What's that? What type of singing? Oh, just any kind of singing. Like I, I just don't sing in public at all. So it's really just at the moment, it's confidence to get the, the voice out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, lovely. Well, that's, that's a very good thing for you to do. I, I started doing that when um, I was reading all about meditation and yoga, and I didn't want to do either of those things. And I read that singing was just as good from a physical and a, you know, beneficial well being, mental and all those other things point of view. And I, I do um, choral singing. And by the time you've read the music and come in on time and sung in tune and everything else, you can't possibly think of anything else in the moment. <laughs> so yeah, from a mindfulness point of view. <laughs> yeah, I also do love yoga and meditation, though. Although I just for anyone who's listening who is struggling with meditation, um, my meditation is called daydreaming. So daydreaming is actually a huge part of my working week. And um, I have lots of permission to daydream because it's where I get my greatest ideas so yeah. there you go if you don't like meditation give yourself permission to daydream yeah lovely so last couple of questions uh, what about those days where it all goes horribly wrong what do you do then <laughs> um resist the temptation to to run away and hide uh, <laughs> i'm getting much much better at this um certainly in the last four or five years i, I think it's i recognize it now and i can dissociate from it and, and go, okay, things are not, oh, we're in one of those trough moments again. Mm. I wonder when the next peak will come <laughs> is really the kind of mantra that I'm, I'm already looking at. Oh, right. So we're, if we're down here and things aren't working, that must mean that I'm, I'm approaching another up curve. Mm. And that really helps yes. um, because then I can dissociate and not take whatever has happened personally and actually deal with the problem. Or deal with what's what's happening and i think the sooner that you can not take any of it personally the more effective you can be that took me quite a lot of experience to get to that point mm. um and having that the, the ups and downs and recognizing that it doesn't matter what you do you're still going to have ups and downs um also thinking of of success a bit like a video game really helped as well uh, so just to, to expand on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it really helped to, so it, I'm not really a big gamer, but um, when you play video games, you kind of go through the levels and then in order to up level, you have to kill the end of level baddie. So you've got to have like this big fight at the end. Mm -hmm. And then and then you, you, you go up a level and you're like, yay, I went up a level. And then you have to do it all again. <laughs> And then there's another end of level body and then you up level and then you have to, and that's, that's kind of what my business feels like as well. And what success feels like is like, I do all these little challenges and then there's a great big challenge and I go, Whoa, I did that. Excellent. Oh, here comes another challenge and off we go again. Um, and, and so now I've made peace with it, that that's just the way it is. And it, it means that, um, I don't expect things to be smooth forever. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. Yeah. So, um, last question then. What about those days where you get to live more, which is where I say you get to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do? What do those days look like for you? Oh, um, they look like a really nice blend of um, working with people that I love. Uh probably making money if I'm absolutely honest so maybe selling something or something you know it's always good to see the bank account grow Mm -hmm. um really feeling like I've made a difference so helping someone come to the realization for themselves about something that's been challenging Mm -hmm. um and having that blend of there being time for me, whatever that looks like, whether it's daydreaming or doing yoga or singing or something that's just for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm possibly creating something. So, and, and thankfully I, I get quite a lot of those days. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Thank you, Lorraine. It's been um, really cool talking to you today. Tell people how they can find out more about you and get in contact. Well, you can find out more about me at LorraineHamilton.net. And if you are a coach, then you might want to check out NewCoachBlueprint.com because it's a really cool resource for coaches that are starting out or who still aren't 100% confident. Lovely. Thanks, Lorraine. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Joe. Lovely to talk to you. Are you a home-based coach or consultant feeling like you need a bit of help? Our Power to Live More Calm membership is designed to meet you where you're at with the help you need in the moment so you can get unstuck, move forwards and get stuff done. You might think this sounds too good to be true or maybe wondering how it would fit with how you work and run your business. Why not have a no obligation chat with Jo to see how she can help you? All you need to do is go to powertolivemore.com slash calmcall. All this information is available in the show notes. You can get to those using the app that you're listening to the podcast on, or if not, go to the website at powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 219. This week at the Gold Call, we were talking about podcasting. The main thrust of the conversation was the whole concept of how much time and effort and potentially money it takes to create and consistently publish a great podcast. Jackie shared that Sigrun, who has been on my podcast, she had a podcast recently that uh, where she interviewed somebody about podcasting and she was saying, don't start your own podcast until you're earning enough money to outsource all of it because of exactly that, that it takes so much time and so much money. I've been doing my podcast, I found out uh, today from a, a history post on Facebook for six years and this is, as you know, show number 219. And fairly early on, I had a fairly comprehensive uh, process to get the podcast out. And I've talked before about the fact that it was doing my show notes that used to get in the way. I didn't want to do the show notes. I didn't enjoy doing them. And it used to stop me publishing the podcast. And as soon as I outsourced the show notes to the wonderful Lidwell Writing Services, it made a massive, massive difference to my consistency in terms of publishing. But I've also gone on to outsource many other parts of the process and in fact Ashley asked me on the call how long it takes me to get the podcast uh, done each week and it's probably no more than two hours so I have an hour for the interview and then an hour to do things like a little bit of editing this outro um, supervising Ellie doing her intro and um, 
checking a few things that my VAs have done but really it's only two hours and there's a lot more that goes into the podcast as you can imagine than those two hours but I'm not doing it but of course I am paying for that. I use my podcast for audience generation, credibility and the opportunity that it gives me for networking and learning from my guests and so that's a really big part of why I started it in the first place and you know having interviewed 219 people and then some um, I really have picked up lots of great tips and advice from the guests over the years. I think you need to be really clear about why you want to sink all that time and money into a podcast and whether it's going to be worth it to you before you get started and the thing that Sigrun was saying uh, was that if you are interested in podcasting then the first thing to do that's much more cost and time effective for you is actually to guest on other people's podcasts and I've certainly been looking at a website recently that helps me to find places where I could potentially guest and it's called podmatch.com so you might want to check that out if you're looking at um, getting invited onto podcasts. I also shared my project template with the members by exporting my Asana project and into a fairly long list of all the different things that we do as part of our process so the members can use that to create their own podcast processing if that's what they want to do. The other thing I want to talk to you about this week is that as you know we have a theme for each month within the membership and that then turns into a topic for each week which is what we talk about on the podcast and we talk about at the gold members call on a Monday and we didn't have anything in the diary for August because that's uh, a week of, sorry, a month of sort of relaxing, a bit of holiday and all that sort of thing. And then it dawned on me that actually what I tend to do in August and also in December is I sort of get myself ready for what I call back to school. So that bit where you get all your new pens and pencils and pencil cases and all that sort of thing ready to go back to school. And so I do tend to spend a bit of time in the quieter months looking at my emails, looking at my files, looking at my desktop, looking at my bookmarks, all that sort of thing to do a bit of uh, decluttering, a bit of organisation to feel really sort of fresh and ready when we go into, in this case, the last four months of the year. Um, and so in August, that's what we're going to do. So I'm, I'm setting it up as a bit of a challenge. The members are going to be working through it, um, as am I, and I'm inviting you to do so too. It's free. Um, all you have to do is go to powertolivemore.com forward slash back to school and just put your name and email in there. You'll get a confirmation email. And then on Monday, the first Monday in August, you'll start to get a daily email, uh, which are coming out just on the weekdays of very small tasks to do each day to build up over that month into uh, some really valuable organisation of as I say your digital files and that sort of thing so it's not going to be too onerous I'm really mindful that people are likely to spend holiday for summer of August I don't want you to get behind and then feel like you're um, you know not doing what you should do and feeling under pressure that's definitely not the intention of this challenge in fact I hesitated to call it a challenge uh, but we are calling it that a back to school challenge uh, and I'm encouraging you to come and join in and do as much or as little as you want to over that time so if you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash back to school then you can join us there again the show notes for this week's show are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 219 and we look forward to speaking to you next week use your power to live more 